Hello, welcome to Emerging Excellence. I'm your host, Felicity Fury, CEO and co-founder of We Aspire. And today we have our wonderful wisdom worker, Brett Bassett, CEO of QLeave. Welcome, Brett. How are you? Oh, well, Felicity, how are you going? I'm great. Thank you for getting me to start this episode again. Then maybe there's an outtake to the end of the year we, we can have. But uh, Brett, you said I didn't have the right energy. And before we get into that, today's topic, I'd love to know, do you have any ways of getting ready to go for a big, you know, event, meeting, etc.? I feel like Tony Robbins probably has some good ones. Then he jumps on a trampoline. Do you have a trampoline in your office or do you have anything like that to get you hyped? Uh, I used to have a war song. So there was a, a song by the Foo Fighters that I loved and I used to play it really, really, really loud when I was going into big meetings or um, or I knew I was going to be a really hard day at, at one of my previous jobs. So that was a good way of getting me pepped up. Um, but I think for me, I just like to think I know what the outcome is that I'm searching for. Um, so no, I don't, I don't really need to be pepped up generally. I'm a pretty peppy guy, you can tell. But... Um, <laughs> I think I like to just know what I'm looking at getting out of the meeting and I like to know what well, one of the things I really do is I plan before I go into the meeting. I never go into a meeting generally, um, internally anyway, without knowing what the outcome is that I want. Yeah. I can hear there's that internal confidence and backing yourself. And yeah, it certainly makes a difference when you go in feeling like I've got this, I'm prepared. I'm now standing and doing a power pose. So I think that's given me some good energy for today's episode, which is all about control versus influence. And this topic's really fascinating. It's something that we see is probably one of the big challenges for first time leaders when you're making that switch from your technical role that you might be excelling at into a leadership role. You're starting to look after a few people and you need to stay step away from the tools, you need to let go of that control, have your team run those elements and you are now into that influence space. And we kind of think of it as two uh, two triangles. So when, you, when you're starting out, you've got your base of your triangle, which is the control and your influence is, is the pointy bit of the triangle at the top. And then as you get to a role like yourself, Brad, a CEO, you've got an upside down triangle. So the base at the top with the influence in it and it kind of goes down to um, the control at the bottom. And we see that it is a challenge when you're doing it for the first time. An analogy we like to say is it's kind of like you're a swimmer and now you're going to go play soccer and you're still playing sport, but it's quite different. So, Brett, what has been your experience? Maybe if you think back to when you had some of your first leadership roles, did you have a challenge around stepping away from controlling things as an expert in your field to then going into influence? Uh, I wouldn't say that I had a, a, tr a trouble stepping away from the control piece because I'm not into the detail. And, and so in my previous roles and at, at, you know, more sort of mid-level management, I, I, because I'm not into the detail, I, I haven't actually had any problems stepping away from the controlling piece. I've always been somebody that sort of lets people go off and do what they do. I think I would flip it on its head and say I've I'm really struggled at times with the influencing piece, um, and that's not because I'm not good at giving up the control. It's because I think I I I don't get into the detail, and it's that it's that it's, that, it's almost oxymoronic for me. I, I mean, I, in my past lives, you know, whether it's been at a you know either in the police, you have a lot of control there, um, but. You know, where I am now, I think I, I am really focused on the influencing piece. 
There's no doubt about that. And so much so that recently I got told as part of a cultural assessment that we're doing in a 360 that my influencing actually isn't necessarily that good because what I do is I just make a decision and then I go off and get people to implement it without actually taking them on the journey. So it's quite fascinating this conversation for me right now in my in my current personal career because um, I've actually got to put a circuit breaker in place every single day now so I can give control back to people so that they can feel like they're on the journey and actually have some input into the decisions that we're making. So I don't know if I've answered the question I was rambling on there. It was good. Yeah, you made me reflect on some of my first leadership roles and I think I kind of went too far on the lack of control. I wouldn't say I was influencing people, but I think as a young young person, I hated being told what to do. Maybe it was me rebelling against my early managers. But when I set up Power of Engineering, I ended up saying to people, oh, just do what you like. I don't know what I'm doing. Just go for it. And actually that lack of guidance, similar to what you were saying, Brett, made it tricky for people because they didn't have that direction from a leader that, that I think they were looking for. And I think that was one of my really big, if not the biggest early mistake I made was that balance of the vision and get people excited and influencing them in a way that it's, you know, it was clear for them to take those actions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It, it really does. It's, it's, so control is a really interesting thing, right? It's, it's almost like, how do you give people enough rope so that they can um, go down the path and, and fail in a safe environment without actually causing detriment to the project or the program or the organisation, right? And I think if you look at it from that perspective, then from the influencing point of view, what you could say is the expectations that I have on you when I give you this control is A, B, C, D, E. So that's where I've, you know, where I brought the two together is to actually say, I'm going to give you this control because I trust you, I empower you, et cetera, et cetera. You're the technical expert or you're better at it than I am. But then what you do is you have to give the swim lanes or the sandbox within which people can take that control and operate it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking through that because control is an interesting word and it kind of depends what you – just you just made me think around some people, I think, do like it when you've got – when you – when you do have that control, some people like to be told what to do. So have you found yep. that it can be also a bit individual depending on the people that you're leading? As well? Oh, absolutely, Felicity, absolutely. I mean, and, and it also depends on the type of work that you're doing or the type of program or the type of project, et cetera, right? And I think, you know, it comes down to what the job is as well. So, you, you know, um, if you have a really technical technical role and I'm sort of thinking here like maybe a, a lawyer or something along those lines the control that you have in respect of the work that they might do with you is by giving them the questions that you want asked for the advice about if that makes sense mm. um, that's quite different to somebody who might be running a program of work for you you know a, a big um, enterprise wide program of work where you say to them the control I'm giving you is a program of work that might go for two to four or five years. And all I need you to do is to operate within budget, within time, to scope, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it, I absolutely think that the control and the influence piece does different, di, that does differentiate 
um, based on the role and, and the individuals you're working with as well. Mm, that's a really helpful word, the expectations. What do those expectations look like and setting those boundaries depending on the experience of the person, the level they're at, and also what you expect them to do to perform at that level in that role. How are you navigating? You go, you go ahead. I was going to say, I think one important thing right, as part of it, or, or, as part of walking is this tightrope between control versus influence is to ask the person that you're seeking to control or influence, how would they like to operate in that environment, right? And I think in doing that, what you can do is you can actually help understand or establish the boundaries where that person may say, well, for example, I want to go and do X. I've never done that before. I want to have control over how I do it. But I want to know that if I need to get information or support or whatever it is from you, that you can do that to me. So by 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 giving the staff member that you're leading the ability to sort of say this is the control that they have or that they want, I actually help. I think I've seen that work really well, because it gives them accountability, responsibility, and all of that thing um, that that they might often ask for. So I think that's a that's a great thing to do as well. Mm. And when it comes to the influence piece, you said that's something that you're experiencing right now, a challenge around that. How are you navigating it and taking people on the journey based on that feedback? Putting on the spot. So, yeah, no, no, look, uh, it, it's a really it's a really interesting one. So as the CEO, I've got a lot of influence. And I, I say that I'm not being, it's without hubris, I'm not being arrogant or anything. As the CEO, there is an expectation that I will influence what the organisation does, how it does it, et cetera. Obviously in line with good governance and, and the boards, et cetera, right? So I, I'm I'm a very simplistic person. I, I like to get back to court principles. Are we doing what we should be doing in any organisation? How well are we doing it? And how well are we treating our staff? Right? So there are three core principles I sort of live with. And so I, I think what I'm experiencing now is I've 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 got a, I've put a program of work in place that I wanted around culture in my current organisation, and I made a very direct decision for me with some support externally to put this program of work in place. Now I knew why, I knew how, I knew when. And I knew what the outcome was. And we're going down that outcome path and it's all lining up very nicely. But some of my leaders, I didn't communicate with them about that. Now, I made a decision not to do that as well. And the feedback that I've had is, well, we don't understand why. How can we support you if you're not telling us? Why are you excluding us? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying that really, really generally, right? These are the things that I've experienced and they're fair questions. And so... The things, getting back to the question of the steps that I've put in place is I've got a circuit breaker now. Um, I've got a fantastic coach named Dom and and he tells me to use the phrase, ask of them. So rather than me, me making the decision, I'll say I've got an idea. The idea is X. Rather than me say, let's go off and do it. I'm now saying, what do you think about this? Tell me what we could do. How do you see there could be risks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that might sound like a really, really strange thing for a CEO to be talking about, right? But often when you're running really fast, because an organization needs you to run fast as, as the leader, if you don't turn around and look and see if the people are following with you, you might often actually be out there by yourself. And so this is a thing that I'm working through right now 
and it's fascinating. It's really, it's really difficult. It's challenging me because it's almost like it's not that I'm slowing down the decision making, but I'm actually having to think about the rationale as to why we need these decisions to be made. To be made. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely someone who's drawn to wanting to control things, and it's I need circuit breakers too because my my thought is usually you know, I can I'll do great quality work I'll you know I'm or whatever the the reason is I'm just like how yeah, that sounds like I'm amazing uh, no um, but I I find it's utilizing <laughs> find it you know easier and you it's perceived to be easier to do things yourself obviously not you know when you've got a team around you when you've got different perspectives you can go what's that that uh that quote if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and we sort of experimented this and i think having that experimental mindset you talked earlier about having that safe space can can really help and has helped me in my journey balancing those things of oh if i just ask this or if i just try this i wonder what's going to happen and early on in power of engineering we had a strategic planning day and me and my co-founder we'd been in the organization for quite some time so we'd seen lots of different ways of doing things we thought okay cool here's the clear path ahead of what we want to do and then we thought what if Instead of us going in and presenting our strategy, what we think we should do for the next number of years, what if we just had a completely blank slate and just asked everybody for their ideas in the team? So they put their ideas up and it was so extraordinary. They came up with the exact same plan and ideas that we did. And they had some other ideas which we'd not thought of, which were even better than ours. And I just found that so fascinating because we then, it took longer, I mean, compared to an hour presenting versus a whole day workshop. But in the scheme of things, to create that buy-in was so powerful to have the team come up with that strategy themselves. And I'll never forget that because it was a real surprise to me that they could literally come up with the same ideas and then they can own it. And I think, you know, that 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 control and the ownership piece is a really, really important one, right? What what I'm learning right now, and it's it's fascinating, you know, I've been a CEO for nearly 10 years now in different roles. And I'm still learning every day, right? And this is one thing that I just I love about this stuff. You know, you know, um if you give people input, the chances that they will own it, co-own it with you, is higher. Then, if you seek to make all the decisions yourself, mm-hmm. now, you know, I I always thought that I was a really collaborative leader, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like the feedback I've had recently, and it's not negative feedback. It's we know what you're doing, and we know how you're doing it, and why you're doing it. We're on the journey with you. It's almost like that. But could you imagine if we were on the journey with you from the beginning? How we together could do what we need to do, and it's 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 quite a fascinating. Um, point of reflection for me in my career at the moment. So, you know, you made that mention, that link, Felicity, to control and influence and ownership. I, I really think it's important for for emerging leaders to not be afraid to say, I want some ownership to give me control, but I need your input to help influence when I go bad or when I'm unsure, and together we can actually create this thing Brilliantly, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you reminded me as well in just sharing then with one of the things we've seen, which has been really interesting, particularly when we're working with big clients and big organisations, you know, some of the biggest engineering companies in Australia, we 
to to work and do our programs, we don't just speak to one person. We might speak to half a dozen people. And we were just in a meeting recently and one of our clients was sharing, okay, well, this person, they operate like this to get them on board with this idea. We're going to have to make it all about them because they love to be the star of the show. This person over here, yep, she cares about X, Y, Z. So as long as we make it over here, you know, like this. And what was really interesting about the way they were speaking about people is they they were influencing and they might not have been in that top CEO role. And I think even if you're in more junior roles, if you can influence the influencer, then that can have a lot of sway. And so learning about those relationships and how that works within your organization, I think can be very powerful as well if you are not in the CEO position. Have you seen that work well, Brett, or have you seen other things where people have been really strategic about their influence and been successful? Oh, look, I, I see people be strategic about their influence on a daily basis, you know, across a range of organisations that I've worked. It's funny, as you were talking about that that example there, and I know that we probably shouldn't talk about the other topic, but there's a nice segue here. I think one of the greatest things that somebody who's new into a, a leadership role can do if they want to seek to influence somebody above them is simply to say, can you tell me why? So it's almost like challenge the brief that you've been given. Mm-hmm. And and in doing that, I know when people ask me why, it actually makes me come back and say, well, this is the narrative. This is the reason. And then it opens up the door to a more a, a broader conversation. So I think, you know, emerging leaders, they may not necessarily want to put their foot completely in the water and, 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 and risk sort of getting it wrong. But anybody can ask the question of why are we doing this or why have we done it this way or if you're looking at it from a growth perspective how can we do this better you know if you think about asking a simple question you're actually influencing the outcome by simply challenging the status quo that's something I did early on in one of my first project management roles when I was super junior and (laughs) I kind of did it yeah, in a way to kind of get people on side. I don't know if I was that strategic about it, but one of the fears that I had about it was because I was 23 running this like $45 million worth of projects. So <laughs> I look young already, so I'm, I'm sure I looked quite young at the time. And that, yeah, I would go into meetings and say, oh, but you know, yeah, why are you doing it that way? And I did have a concern that I was going to come across a bit like an idiot or that I didn't really know what I was talking about. So that can be, often be something that stops me from asking why but at the time I thought look you know what I've got nothing else to go with I'm just gonna ask because it'll have them feel good about themselves explaining their role and exactly why we're doing things and it actually worked well to pick up some mistakes on projects that hadn't actually been thought through really simple things like oh okay there's a batter here have you actually a slope for those non-engineers listening um on site and you've actually been out to site to see if that's physically going to work. Oh, it's actually not physically going to work in the space we have. Okay, great. We can pick that up before they're out building it. But yeah, how would you navigate that, Brett? Or have you got any advice around it? Because I think at the end of the day, I was just like, well, stop it. I've got nothing else to go with. Um, I can't change the way I look being a young female in this construction space. I'm just going to do it. I think it comes down to that self-belief, right? Simply asking a question if if it's phrased, you know, appropriately, shouldn't get anyone's heckles up or anything along those lines. Shackles up, I think is the right word. Um, and and if it does, then ask yourself the next question, which is, 
well, is this the organisation or the leader that I want to be working with? Mm. You, you know, I, I, I've spoken a number of times about people can ask me any question they want and I'll give them one of three answers. I tell them the truth, I'll tell them I don't know the answer or I'll find out and I'll go back to them or I'll tell them I know the answer but I can't tell them. And I think a, a leader that encourages people to challenge the status quo or a leader that says it's okay for you to ask me a question – I think is a, is is going to be set up for success simply because they're not trying to be the be all and end all, if that makes sense. And I think in order to do that, like I, I love having people around me who are smarter than me. Like, like I was in a meeting today with this person who is just doing some incredible work with us at the moment, and and there are, I think they must be a mathematician, and he took a really, 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 really complex thing that I did not understand at all. Put it into a PowerPoint, walked me through it, and I was able to understand it at the end. And it's been three weeks coming this 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 right. But the reason that he he was he did that is because I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is three <laughs> weeks ago. And and so I think getting back to that, you know, how can how can young leaders do this? Be brave enough to say, I don't understand. Can you tell me why? Can you help me understand? Or challenge the status quo simply by saying, but why do we have to do it this way? Or mm-hmm. flip it and say, is there a better way? Um, and then if the if the leader that they're asking gets grumpy or whatever, then ask the next question, as I said, which is, I don't know if I want to work with you. So yeah. think about that from a values perspective. That's great. And I'm going to flip it now. What if you have influence, but it's the wrong kind of influence and you need to change that culture within your organization? Because if you are the CEO, some people have an impression around who you're going to be as a person. They might be scared of the CEO or have whatever opinion, or they, it might be say in the construction industry and there's a typical way the culture is in construction that people think that a leader might be in that industry. How would you navigate that? Is it is that a tricky thing to change in your experience? Well, I think you've got to you've got to be authentic to self. Most importantly, right? I, I mean, any leader that tries to influence when they're not being authentic, I, I think he's going to struggle with that. You know, there's no doubt about that. I think the second thing is, if you're influencing and it's not working, then you need to ask only one question: Why? <laughs> And I think that has to be a self-reflective question, right? And we've spoken a number of times on our podcasts about reflection. So that's the the second thing I would say. And then the third thing I would say is actually get feedback from those that you're working with and say, I feel like I'm not hitting the mark here. Tell me why. Or, you know, I think that they're the three things. Ask question, ask question of self, ask question of others, ask question of process. That's That's what I would say. Awesome. I think we've explored control and influence in a lot of different aspects today, Brett. Thanks for being open and sharing your perspectives, particularly it's something that you're dealing with right now. And I look forward to hearing more about your influence as your role evolves. Thanks so much for being open. Really love the chat. Thanks, Kate.